Uh, why don't you go ahead and open your Bibles with me uh, to 1 Peter 5. If you're a guest with us today, just so you know what we're, we're doing, we're in a series called Aliens. Uh, it's a study of this letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to Christians in the early church, telling them that uh, because of their faith in Christ, because of their reverence for God, their desire to obey God, that, that they were going to be misunderstood by their culture and viewed as a strange and alien people. Last week we found Peter telling us that as Christians we are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another because, because God opposes the, the proud but shows grace to the humble. And we noted how God takes issue with pride because it sits at the heart of all sin and rebellion. It turns us away from him. It keeps us from him. It kills community by dividing and isolating God's people and it makes us vulnerable to the enemy. Ultimately, pride leads to destruction. But humility... Humility welcomes and embraces the grace of God, which leads to life. And uh, we left off last week in verse 6 with Peter writing this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then immediately following that command, Peter says this in verse 7. He says, Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. I want to talk about that with you, but first let's pray. Our Father, we're grateful for the day you've given us. Um, and for the opportunity to be together here. And I pray that in the time that we have left, that you would, um, you would help us um, remove the distractions uh, from our hearts and minds that would keep us from hearing your truth. Um, we pray for your spirit to be at work uh, in our lives. Uh, even at this moment, may we have a great sense of your presence. And may your grace truly find us today. May we embrace it. May it change us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not, but anxiety has grown to be an American uh, phenomenon. According to a recent study by the World Health Organization, 31% uh, of Americans now are likely to suffer from an anxiety uh, problem at some point or another during their lifetime. The National Institute of Mental Health goes so far to say that the United States, despite being the richest nation on earth, is now by a wide margin the most anxious nation on earth. Stress-related ailments cost our country billions of dollars in medical expenses uh, each year, a loss of productivity, and uh, our use of uh, sedative drugs continues to skyrocket. In fact, uh, this trend of anxiety hits many of us uh, earlier and earlier, many of us before we reach college. Uh, according to experts, today's average high school student has the same level of anxiety as the average uh, psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. Well, what are we worrying about? What has got us so, you know, so worried? Uh, opinions on that vary. Uh, in a New York Times article entitled America the Anxious, Ruth Whitman suggests happiness is part of the problem. She says, our American approach to happiness can spur a debilitating anxiety. The initial sense of promise of the American dream is seductive, but it soon gives way to a nagging, slow-burn feeling of inadequacy. Am I happy? Happy enough? Happy as everybody else? Could I be doing more about it? She says, even basic contentment feels like failure when pitched against capital H happiness. The goal is so elusive and hard to define, it's impossible to pinpoint when it's even been achieved, a recipe for neurosis. In a book entitled Nerve, uh, journalist Taylor Clark relates how experts offer other reasons for America's intense worry, three in particular. Uh, the first, loss of community. Uh, second, vast amounts of information that we're constantly trying to, to process, much of it uh, disturbing. 
Uh, and then an intolerant attitude toward negative feelings. In other words, we want to do everything we can to avoid negative feelings, and we're petrified that we're going to experience them. Uh, Clark's conclusion, she says, as Americans, security and modernity have not brought us calm. They have somehow put us out of touch with how to handle our fears and anxieties. In his national bestseller that came out just this past January, Scott Stossel writes of his personal struggle with anxiety and what has become an age of anxiety. He says, to some people I may seem calm, but if you could peer beneath the surface, you'd see that I am like a duck, paddling, paddling, paddling. You know, uh, we don't need doctors, sociologists, and journalists to tell us that we worry. We all do it. We all know it. And sometimes those worries keep us from enjoying life. In fact, the, the word worry comes from an old Anglo-Saxon term meaning to strangle. And that's how it feels sometimes, like our worries, our anxieties are just kind of choking the life out of us. In many instances, the things that we worry about are legitimate fears, are legitimate concerns. Uh, Pulitzer Prize-winning author Ernest Becker once said, I think taking life seriously means something such as this, that whatever man does on this planet has to be done in the lived truth of the terror of creation, of the grotesque, of the rumble of panic underneath everything. Otherwise, it is false. What was Becker saying? He was saying life in a broken world can be really hard. And to suggest or to expect otherwise is just living a fantasy. And so there are times in life where... where the things that we fear, the things that worry us, are legitimate. At other times, not so much. As the French Renaissance writer Michel de Monton put it, my life has been full of terrible misfortunes, <laughs> most of which never happened. Didn't know I spoke French, did you? Talent, my friends, talent. Let me ask you something. Underneath, you all look pretty calm today when you're coming in. Underneath that calm exterior, are you frantically paddling, paddling, paddling? And if so, what are you worried about? What, what is revving up your anxiety this morning? I want you to think about that for a while as we, as we go forward. Think about what it is that's got you revved up and, and really anxious. Is it a, is it a relationship? Is it, is it an issue with family? Is it children? Is it, is it, is it health-oriented? Is it employment? Is it financial, educational, religious? Is it world events? I mean, I could, I could keep naming category after category, but when you start listing them, you realize just how our concerns pile up, right? And we all have more than one. But the reality is, anxiety is not just an American problem. It's a human problem. By definition, anxiety is a painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated ill. Uh, the New Testament Greek term, for anxiety, the one that Peter uses, means to worry to the point of utter distraction. So here's a disclaimer. If you're struggling with worry today, you are not alone. Worry is, or, and anxiety is a normal part of our lives. To be human and worry-free is impossible. And not only that, it wouldn't be healthy. Think about it. There are some fears that are helpful. I mean, anxiety on a low level represents an appropriate concern about people, about things, about circumstances. It's caring enough to think through what is good and bad, healthy, what can go wrong, how can we help things not go wrong. Uh, however, anxiety on a really high level can be disabling and destructive. Uh, it includes obsessive fears over uncontrollable circumstances. It disrupts daily activities and relationships. It paralyzes decision-making and as Christians, it inhibits our ability to trust God and live by faith. 
And there's no interpretive wiggle room here in the text. Peter's command to cast all our anxiety on God is pretty clear, quite concise. And let's not forget who Peter was writing to specifically, right? First century Christians, people who were suffering not only trials common to everyday life, but who were also suffering under Roman persecution, which was brutal. So they had a lot of concerns. They had a lot lot to worry about. Let's also keep in mind that Peter wasn't the most laid-back, worry-free guy ever. Uh, Think of how he once worried about drowning when Jesus invited him out of the boat and to join him on the water. And Jesus was right there with him, yet Peter's anxiety caused him to start sinking. Um, Then there was uh, the time when Jesus spoke of betrayal among his followers, and Peter got freaked out thinking Jesus was talking about him. Uh, One time Peter got so worked up over Jesus' safety, he impulsively pulled a sword out and hacked the guy's ear off. And then there's the time when Jesus told Peter of uh, his, uh, his need to suffer for his faith and with a very high level of anxiety, Peter looked at John and said, yeah, well, what about him? And remember Jesus said, hey, what concern is he to you? Uh, don't worry about him. You follow me. So I'm thinking Peter was a lot like us. He was a worrier, but somewhere along the line, he learned how to deal with his anxiety. And so when he writes the church, it's as if he says, hey, look, I get it. I know what it's about. I know what worrying is like. It's understandable. But in order to keep it from ruining your life, he says, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. And let let me tell you something. As a guy who tends to worry and and struggle with anxiety, uh, I I definitely want to take Peter's advice here. But what does it mean to cast my anxiety, cast our anxiety on God? And the the more I've thought about it, the more it seems that, that Peter is saying the first step in dealing with anxiety is to accept responsibility. I'm guessing most of you have, have heard the phrase, let go and let God. Anyone ever said that to you? Just let go and let God. Uh, <laughs> ew, you know what I'm saying? I, look, I, I'm not a fan of Christian cliches. They're not helpful. Uh, but that one is particularly irritating to me. Um, <laughs> Not because it's completely without merit. I mean, it has some element of truth to it, but it can also be a very dangerous proposition. And here's why. Because there are some responsibilities in life that God assigns to us, and we we need to accept and hold on to. There are other responsibilities in life that we're to surrender to God and let go of. And if we get mixed up on those, we risk becoming either overly controlling or blatantly irresponsible. In fact, anyone who suggests uh, that um, uh, Peter here is talking about abandoning personal responsibility needs to stop and reread the entire letter because over and again, Peter explains how we're to be responsible in life. We're to be responsible at work, at home, as husbands, as wives, as citizens, as leaders, as followers. We're to be responsible in our relationships with those inside the church and those outside the church. We're to be responsible even in the way that we understand and react to unjust suffering. But there is limit to our responsibility. What do I mean? Well, consider the extremes. On one hand, there are people who want to control everything. All of life, relationships, circumstances. Controllers want to make everyone else's decisions. They're convinced they know better, that they have a better way of running others', others lives, and become antagonistic when people around them you know, don't do things their way. 
Controllers want to take charge of their friends, their family, their neighbors, their spouses, their children, every, you know, the church, even God himself. On the other hand are those who, who want to do little or nothing. You know, uh, the, these are individuals who avoid healthy habits and then expect their physicians to make them well. They don't want to work hard but expect a promotion. They don't, or they, then they make foolish decisions and then, and then want every, everyone to feel sorry for them. And when it comes to God, they feel that it's his job to make everything in life happy and easy, to pick up the pieces, solve all the problems, many of which they themselves have created. Both of those extremes, controlling and irresponsibility, are problematic to say the least. The more balanced biblical approach uh, to life is to be responsible for what God expects of us while trusting him regarding things that he doesn't expect from us. Take, for example, the, uh, the raising of children. I mean, Scripture teaches that God gives parents the responsibility to love their kids, right? To love them, to teach them biblical truth. They're to be the primary teachers of biblical truth, to set a spiritual foundation and an example for, for their kids, to, pro- to, pro- to provide nurture and care and, and, and avoid placing burdensome expectations on them, all of that. And suppose you've done all of those things as a parent, and now you've got a teenager or an adult child who just hasn't turned out exactly the way you had hoped or dreamed. And so you're you're prone to worry every single day about who they're with, what they're doing, what's going to happen to them. It's at that point the question becomes, are your worries appropriate to your current parenting responsibilities? Probably not. Because as a parent, you can't can't be with your grown-up children all the time the way you were when they were little. And at some point or another, you, you, you know, you've got to accept the fact that, that you've done your best at parenting and it's time to, to release them and to release your worries about them to God. Is that easy? No, it's not easy. But the alternative is to exist in a perpetual state of anxiety. And look, that's just one example. That's one, ex- one example in life. So maybe what we need to do when we start worrying, really worrying about something, is to ask ourselves whether or not we carry responsibility as well as the resources needed to solve the problem that we have or the one that we're anticipating. And if the answer is no, then it's time to let God do what we cannot. But there are cautions with this approach because some, some of us always think there's more that we can do. We're convinced that that we can fix every problem if if, if we just put our mind to it, our resources to it, uh, we can make things happen. And so we perseverate on issues, you know, in situations, reviewing them in our mind over and over and over again, desperately trying to figure out a way to make ourselves responsible. And the fact is, some of us have an amazing capacity to uh, to think up and manufacture new problems by simply imagining everything that could possibly go wrong. And if you fit the description of that kind of super worrier, here's a recommendation. Unless you have proof from God that he wants you to worry about something, let him worry about it. And ask him to get back to you if and when there's something he wants you to do. And I say that because, look, any worry that exceeds what God has requested or resourced you to do should be let go. Any worry that causes dysfunction in your life or in your relationships or inhibits your ability to trust God needs to be dealt with. And so the first step in dealing with anxiety is to be responsible to God's expectations. And when you've done all that you can reasonably do, you take the next step, which Peter says is to cast your anxiety 
on God. And the term we translate cast here, the Greek term, literally means to throw in a deliberate motion, to heave something in a way that you disconnect from it permanently. So here's my Ray K summary. When you're faced with a challenge or a situation or an issue in life and you have fulfilled your responsibility toward addressing the problem, then throw away your worries regarding it. And it's not that you just throw, it, you throw them in any direction. Peter says what? He says, heave it, chuck it, throw it, cast it on God. Now, where did Peter get this idea? Um, it would appear he got it from Jesus. Because uh, one day while teaching a large crowd of people on the side of a mountain, uh, which has become known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about this casting of anxiety. You remember? He said to his followers, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable, much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Essentially, Jesus says, you of little faith, stop worrying so much about every little thing and trust your Father in heaven who loves you. And I don't know how you all feel about it, but for me, this idea of getting rid of anxiety sounds pretty good. It's pretty appealing to me, but practically, how do I do it? I mean, really, how do we, how do we cast our anxieties on God? And, and uh, the best I can tell is that it, it requires at least a few things. It requires we identify our anxiety. I mean, let's face it, some of us worry a lot, but... We're never, we never define exactly what it is we're worried about. And so it would make sense to do that when we're all revved up, to specifically identify the source of our fears, the source of our anxiety. What is it? And in order to help us do that, we've provided these, these anxiety sheets that came in your bulletin. I want you to take those out. And uh, you know, I mentioned earlier what's revving you up this morning. I want you to take these out. And I want you to, to, to take a moment and write down one thing you know, just one thing that you are really worried about today. And maybe you don't have any worries. If that's true, God bless you. But for the rest of us, you know, what are, what are we so worried about this morning? One issue that is really revving up your anxiety. Some of you are already anxious because you don't have a pencil, right? So you're freaking out because you don't have a pencil. All right, so there, there are some pencils in the chair pockets in front of you, and there's people around you who are nice people. They will share their pencil or pen with you. So don't, don't worry about that. Um, all those of you are worried because you didn't get one of these. This is, it doesn't matter what you write on. You can write on, a, on those are, there are prayer cards right in front of you. You can take one of those out and write it down, but whatever. Okay, but, but write down what it is that you are worried about this morning. What are you anxious about? A job, family, 
relationship, finances, a court date, uh, uh, a ticket. I mean, I don't know what it is. You don't, you don't need to use names. Just write enough on, on whatever you're writing so that you and God are clear on what, what you're referring to. Okay? So you can think about that a little bit more. And write it down when you, when you have a pen. And, uh, and while you're doing that, here's another thing that casting anxiety on God requires. It requires that we recognize the truth of God's love. We recognize the truth. And consider the context here. Peter's just talked about pride and humility. Then he immediately addresses anxiety. Why? Simple. Those things tend to be connected. Now, please hear me when I say this. For some people, debilitating anxiety levels can be a medical problem and need to be treated professionally. But for the majority of us, myself included, anxiety is often more a matter of pride and self-sufficiency than anything else. Constant worry is in many respects rooted in my arrogance that assumes I know the way my life is supposed to go and I'm not sure God is clear on it and I'm not sure he's getting it right. You see? Humility, on the other hand, means I realize I don't have all the answers. I I certainly can't solve all the problems. I need somebody else's help, someone I can trust, someone who cares. But see, worry, worry denies the care of a sovereign God. One author I read said, worry is a sin because it denies the wisdom of God. It says that he doesn't know what he's doing. It denies the love of God. It says he doesn't give a rip. It it, it denies the power of God because it says he isn't able to deliver me from whatever is causing me to worry. In a way, worry is, is practical atheism. It gives us delusions of strength and control while keeping God at a distance. But understand, anxiety is a stab at the integrity of God's compassion. It's a refusal to see and find peace in the truth of his love for us. Peter says, the reason we cast our anxiety on God is because we know that he cares. We don't do it because he vows to solve every problem we have, to make all of our pain go away, uh, to bring immediate justice to our situation, to give us whatever it is we want, when we want it, how we want it, where we want it. No. Peter says, we cast our anxiety on God because he loves us and he cares for us. And knowing that is critical to the whole casting process, which ultimately requires that we pray, you know, that we talk to God about things. You know, when circumstances move beyond our control, we share with God about what it is that's got us so worried, what we're thinking, what we're afraid of. And we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, as Peter puts it, which means we acknowledge that we don't have all the answers and we're powerless to solve all the problems. But we know that God is all-powerful and he loves us. And so we tell him that by faith, we accept his gracious care. We realize he's fully informed about our children, our money, our health, our jobs, our family, our relationships, our world, and everything else. And whatever happens, we know God, our Heavenly Father, wants what is right and good and healthy and best for us. And he knows what that is, even when we don't. Do we really believe that? Because if we do, then as his people, we can trust him. You know, we don't, we don't have to worry ourselves to death. We, we don't have to be afraid of everything. We can be free of that. 
we can experience true peace and we can live by faith. The Apostle Paul summarizes it this way. He says to the church, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, or the sword? No. And all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul says, I am convinced that, that, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, Paul was absolutely convinced of God's tenacious love for him and his love for us. Are you convinced of that? Am I convinced of that? If so, here's the application. Ray K, stop worrying so much about every little thing and trust God. Because if he is who we say we, he is, who we claim to believe he is, then we've got nothing to worry about. And we can go to sleep at night knowing that we've been responsible to what God has asked of us. The rest is up to him. God can go with our children where we can't go. He can provide, he can provide guidance to the hands of surgeons in ways that are beyond our knowledge. He can provide food and clothing and finances in ways we could never imagine or manage. With God, we can find rest if we just trust him. We can experience peace of mind knowing that he cares for us more than we care for ourselves. You know, I was, I was thinking about it, and worry is worry is sort of like sitting in a rocking chair. You know, it gives you something to do, but you never, it never takes you anywhere. It's like being a hamster in a wheel, going round and round and round and round with a lot of activity and anxiety, but, but never, you, ne- never ma- you never make any progress. And yet, as strange as it may seem, some of us would rather do that. Worry ourselves sick than trust God and his ability to care for us. Why? Pride. Pride. We, we want to keep control. We, we, we want to stay in charge or at least remain under the illusion that we are in control instead of, instead of admitting that we're not in control. And there's very little things in life that we are in control of. Instead, we should just face it and, and just, you know, humble ourselves under God's mighty hand, recognizing who he is. You know, Peter says to Christians in the church, no matter what happens in life, no matter what challenges you face or fears you have or whatever anxiety is revving you up, God cares for you and he loves you tenaciously. There's nothing that can change that. So, accept responsibility Identify your worry, cast your anxiety on him, believe in him, trust in him, pray, and accept his loving care by faith, and experience peace. Just so you know, uh, Peter, Peter's not the only one who suggests this. In the Old Testament, King David put it this way, cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul states it a bit differently, but he says to, to those in the church, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And my hope and prayer this morning for those of us who may look calm on the outside, but on the inside are paddling, 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 that we can find and experience true joy and peace of mind because we know God loves us and cares for us. May that be true. Let's pray. Our Father, we, uh, we acknowledge before you this morning that uh, while our world is a wonderful and beautiful place, it is also a place um, where bad things can happen, where tragedy can befall, where pain is a reality, where brokenness prevails. And there are times good reason uh, to fear in a healthy way, to analyze situations and relationships in order to uh, know what is right and good and, uh, and what's helpful to do. But we also recognize there are moments when our anxiety goes beyond really what's appropriate and what's healthy. And we're revved up internally about things that are out of our, out of our control. And we worry ourselves sick. And that worry interrupts our relationship with you, it, it disrupts our relationship with others. Sometimes it causes us to act impulsively. Uh, it, just, it just does a lot of damage. And I pray that we would hear your word today that calls us to cast our cares, our anxieties, our worries onto you. Because you love us tenaciously. And I, I pray that we'd be able to do that, each of us. Whatever it is this morning that's, that's revving us up internally, that we would give it to you. Uh, and, and that you would release us from those things that um, really burden us, our worries and our cares. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that we would gain a, a deep and perhaps a new uh, sense, not just of your joy, but of true peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the question for us, I think, today is, do we really believe that? You know, um, pride and anxiety are devastating things. I mean, they really do keep us from God. Um, Religion is all about pride and anxiety. Religion's all about saying, yeah, I believe God's there, but he needs my help. I, I got to be good enough because God's not enough. I got to be a good enough person. I got to work harder. I got to prove myself to God. And then what, tell me about anxiety that produces. When do you know you've done enough? When do you know you've proven yourself? You know, that's religion. Christianity is completely different. Christianity says, no, it's not, about, it's not about your work and your effort. It's about humility, recognizing you can't do enough. You can't be good enough. But you don't have to be. God has done the work for you in Jesus. Just believe and accept my grace, God says, and receive forgiveness in life. And uh, that reduces the anxiety because there's no more worrying. There's no more 
trying to figure out, have I been good enough? You see the, you see the difference? It's a massive difference. And, and, and that's what it means to be a Christian, to believe in the grace and love of God. His love is tenacious. And uh, he'll, he'll never, we, we can't be separated from it. And that in of itself should reduce a significant amount of, of anxiety in our lives. Look, take it from me. I'm an anxious guy. I, I worry about all kinds of things. I, I come up with ideas to worry about. I mean, really. And, and so this idea of casting anxiety on God, you know, I'd say that is such a Christian cliche if Peter didn't actually write it. So, you know, I, can't, I, you know, so I had to figure out what does that mean. And, and I, I'm still working on that. But... Um, I know this. I don't want to live my life worrying constantly. And as Christians, as the church, look, we, we, we need to live by faith. And we need, to, we need to trust God in all things. And if we do that, I tell you what, he will, he will do amazing things in and through us to make a difference in our world. So this is what I want you to do. Sometimes it's good to, to put action to decisions. And so uh, I want you to take these, these anxiety sheets that you wrote something down on or whatever it is you wrote, you wrote it down on. And on your way out of the building, out, out on the patio, there's a cross. And next to the cross, there are, some people call them trash cans. I call them care receptacles. Uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, as you go by, I want you to take that, that anxiety that's got you revved up today that you're really worried about. I want you to take it, I want you to crumble it, and then I want you to cast it into the can at the foot of the cross. And then I want you to walk away and stop worrying so much. Okay? Why don't you stand with me? Let me pray for us. Maybe before you do that, if you want someone to pray with you about some stuff going on in your life, our prayer team folks will be down in the front. They'll be happy to talk with you and pray with you, and then you can go out and you can cast that worry away, that anxiety, okay? Let me pray for us. And now, Lord, I, I pray that uh, as, as we leave the building, as we go back into our lives, um, and all the anxieties that, that life bring to us, brings to us, I pray that we go trusting you more recognizing that your love is tenacious and, uh, and embrace your grace in Jesus. And in so doing, find the ability to cast our anxiety on you and walk away and to live by faith and to experience true peace. I pray that, I pray that your, your people today would, would be able to do that and experience that very thing, a peace that transcends understanding. And so may your hand of grace and peace rest on your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week.